0: Our second reading comes from the second chapter of Acts, verses 1 through 4 and 12 through 17. When the day of Pentecost had come, they were all together in one place. And suddenly from heaven there came a sound like the rush of a violent wind, and it filled the entire house where they were sitting. Divided tongues as of fire appeared among them, and a tongue rested on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them ability. Now my favorite part. All were amazed and perplexed, saying to one another, What does this mean? But others sneered and said, They are filled with new wine." And your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, and your young men shall see visions, and your old men shall dream dreams. The word of the Lord. Let us pray. Almighty God, we give you thanks for this, your church, and Especially this day when we remember Pentecost, we thank you for your spirit that enables this church to be church. May you send us your spirit to open our hearts and our minds, and may the spirit fall fresh upon us this day. In Christ's name we pray, amen. So today, we celebrate the church's birthday. And we think about that. The church's birthday, that's got to be a cause for celebration, right? It's Pentecost. All the pretty reds, the colors. But I would argue that, and, and some of you may be able to relate to this, but we, we don't quite know what to do with Pentecost. We're unsure about this scene of, of, of fire, or this whole business about tongues of fire and and people's tongues literally on fire all gathered in the same place speaking a multitude of languages. And we don't know what to do with it. That's not the norm. That doesn't exist in our world, right? One of the things I love about church, about us gathered, is that a part of our identity is resurrection people. We love that, right? We are a resurrection people. But what today reminds us is not to forget to claim our identity as Pentecost people. Do we really see ourselves as Pentecost people? Because I like being just resurrection people because Jesus got up, The story ends with a nice, neat bow, and I'm going to heaven. Resurrection people. But in comes this thing called Pentecost, and as God usually does, shakes things up a little bit. But we don't really like it. Robert Wall, in his commentary on Acts, says that the Protestant church typically regards the Holy Spirit as sort of this marginal member of the Trinity. We talk an awful lot about God the Creator, God the Son, and Jesus Christ, but when it comes to the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit is only a a half part of the Trinity. It's not a full third whole. We treat the Spirit as if Uh, The Spirit is is this strange thing only to happen or only to make make the Spirit self-manifest in times of private devotion, in times of individual prayer when no one sees us that we keep right here in our little telephone booth. But this couldn't be further from the truth. Of who the Holy Spirit is. And there's a reason we sort of make the Spirit a marginal member of the Trinity. Pope Francis actually gives us a reason for this. He says that the Holy Spirit put simply bothers us. Because the Spirit moves us, the Spirit makes us walk, the Spirit pushes us forward. But we are like Peter at the transfiguration, looking at all gathered in this wonderful scene. Lord, this is awesome, but Lord, let us stay here. Don't bother us. We would like the Holy Spirit to go to sleep because we want to domesticate the Holy Spirit. And that's not good because God is spirit. God is this wind that drives and blows And we don't know where that wind will push us. The Spirit is power and strength. And this bothers us. And isn't it so much nicer to be comfortable? I like comfort. But here we have the scene of Pentecost tongues of fire falling from the heavens. I mean, fire literally breaking forth into this world. And you see this extraordinary scene of all these people gathered around from all over speaking in different tongues and different languages. And this this all sounds crazy. What do we do with this? What does this mean for us as a church? Well, let's start with the fire. In this context, Someone who heard this passage would understand fire as representing uh, prophetic inspiration, specifically two words, agitation and inflammation. How many of us woke up today to come here today to hear a message that would agitate and inflame us? It doesn't sound like things you typically want to hear when you get up and come to church, right? I don't want to be agitated or inflamed. Who wants that? But what Luke does, what this scene in Pentecost does, is it causes us to to alter our, our thinking, to shift the way we view things. The writer of this commentary notes one thing, that the connection of the Spirit to proclamation doesn't have much to do with the content of the message, but how the message, how the gospel is boldly proclaimed. So wait a minute, I'm a good old Presbyterian. Content is everything. But what this scene suggests is perhaps something's different. And if we really would be honest, there are so many examples in culture, in theology, in history. Oftentimes, how we say things, how we do things is just as important as what it is that we do and what it is that we say. For example, I could memorize the entire work, Why a Caged Bird Sings. But I can't say it like Maya Angelou could say it. I could remember, I could recite 100 times, word for word, I have a dream. I can't say it like Martin Luther King said it. It's the way we say what we say that's so important. And I would argue that in many ways we have lost that because we've lost our ability to claim our identity as Pentecost people. If we're to truly live as Pentecost people, we must embrace the spirit of God, the spirit of a living God, even if it rubs our little religious uh, sensitivities. Wall later says that the Spirit's arrival is this noisy affair with special effects that draws an interested public from every nation to the community in amazement. Would we ever be accused of that? we ever and it's not about pyrotechnics or or, or fancy gimmicks it, it it's about being caught up in something so much bigger than ourselves it's about embracing the spirit of a living god the holy spirit that literally flame, inflames us that ignites a, a passion deep with, within the deepest parts of ourselves that, that lights us up with sort of this holy fire this passion from within that empowers us to stand when we want to sit that empowers us to move forward when all we want to do is stay right where we are. It's embracing this spirit, this passion, this holy fire that allows us to reclaim our prophetic voice as a church when we have lost it. And when a prophetic voice is so needed amidst this cacophony of energy stealing and divisive other voices that exist in our news and in our culture, The Acts text proves that the Spirit is what makes the church. And we are good Presbyterians, right? Most of us. There's a few other things that slid in here, and it's okay. But one thing we like is a practical example. So here goes take Luke's story. You know, you know the story, right? The one about faith, the men carry this man, they see that this man, this, this paralyzed man has a need and they say we're going to get you taken care of, we're going to take you to Jesus but there's this problem, you see Jesus is teaching in this house and there are so many people because Jesus at this point is he's got some crowds but they can't get this paralyzed man in through these crowds into through the front door so, so what do they do? They come up with this great idea we're going to take him up through the roof and drop him down but there's this one little problem. You see, there's this thing called a roof that's in the way. So they have a conversation. Well, the text doesn't actually say they, they, they have a conversation at all. Uh, what do they do? They just take the roof off. They destroyed all the tiles, they removed the tiles, the text says, and they created a hole big enough so that they could drop the man down in and take him to where Jesus was. Can you imagine how that story would have played out in our context? Because I've seen it over and over again in, in many years in ministry. That conversation would have looked very different in a session meeting. So wait a minute. We're supposed to take the roof off to help some, I mean, I mean we, we could have come up with, I can come up with, I came up with in the reading of this 25 reasons why that was a bad idea. They usually revolve around insurance and and liability and and, and all the things that, you know, we like to talk about as church. But Pentecost does something to us. And this story uh, proves something that I think it's important to get. That the church has never been about orthodoxy. It's always been about faith. And faith is what drove those people to go up to that roof, take the roof off, and drop that man down. That's right. What happens is this clash between orthodoxy and faith, and that's why we struggle with Pentecost, because we live in both worlds. It's what got everyone so riled up against Jesus, right? It's this whole context of Pharisees, like, who are you to forgive? They couldn't see that Jesus is God right in front of them because they had this outdated understanding of who God was. So they couldn't see it when it was smacked right in their face. Or even think about the people in the crowd. Whatever's going on there, that's weird, man. They must be filled with new wine. No, they're not. It's the Spirit of God. What we must not do is be paralyzed by our orthodoxy, but emboldened by the spirit of the living God in a faith that allows us to start taking some roofs off. Is it roofs or roofs? Roofs, that sounds more grammatically correct. I'm glad my wife's not here. Friends, this is a struggle. It's not easy. But it's faith, and it's what we are about. So, one of my new favorite words that I learned in my time overseas in the Holy Land is Jalla. Does anybody know what it means? Let's go. That's what it means, it means let's go. So, I I know that we have a wonderful new uh, mission statement. It's a good one. It's a great start. But it won't get us there. What will get us there is doing what that statement says, but recognizing our power to do those words comes not from words on a page, but comes from God's Holy Spirit. So Yala. The same spirit that was at Pentecost with all these crazy flames is the same spirit that abides with us at word, at table, and at font. It's the same spirit that we rely on when we can rely on nothing else and I'm sure all of you know that spirit because all of you live life. Yala. Let's reclaim our identity as Pentecost people. Look around. There's lots of tiles in this place. It's a big building. Look inside. Ask ourselves, what tiles need to be broken? Who would like first swing? Yallah. Amen.